back to Cover Stories B-Sides. Uh, today we have special guest, Tattooed Boy Ray. How's it going? Good. How uh, are you doing? Doing all right. Thanks so much for coming on. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, you are a San Antonio icon. I am? You are, I, I, I think so. You know, I, yeah, I know. No, I, wow. I think Thank it's hard much. to walk into a bar without seeing like some <laughs> oh of God. your work. I don't know where this is going. No, no. <laughs> It's hard to walk into a bar without seeing any of your work, especially on the strip. I think uh, okay. it's just you're everywhere, and it's awesome. Oh, awesome. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. Today, you wanted to talk about uh, the Ramones cover of uh, Do You Want to Dance? Their version is called Do You Want to Dance? Do You Want to Dance, yeah. Um, I, so why this song? Um, well, I I just remember this was my, and I, I want to age, I, I think I was at the age of six or five, or probably maybe, I'll say eight, let's just say that. And that was my first introduction to punk uh, from that. I don't know if you guys remember the Saturday Night Movies. I mean, how old are you guys? I mean, I'm, I'm I 33. Be, oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I think I'm in the realm where TV movies were still going on, but you saw it like on regular TV. Like, I think, I think it was on Channel 5. But Saturday Night, there was the Saturday Night Movies, and that movie, Rock and Roll High School, was on, the one we were just talking about. And I was a kid and I was like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. And at the end when, you know, the heroes prevailed, the Ramones, and they had full access to the school and uh, they played Do You Want to Dance? And I thought it was the coolest song. I mean, the whole soundtrack is amazing. And just that song, just really like, that's the song I was singing afterwards. And it was stuck in my head like when I was a kid. And that's what I would sing. And then I think my parents would be like, Oh, how do you know that song? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's a Ramones song. And they're like, who's the Ramones? <laughs> yeah. So that's when I knew it wasn't from them, but that's how I started listening to the Ramones and then listening to other punk bands that sound like the Ramones. And just that's how I started listening to punk rock in general. But that that song alone, I think, started it all for me at least, which was kind of weird. And it was a cover song. Yeah. I, it's awesome. I love, I love, there's like, I always like to think of the early punk rock, American punk rock, 70s punk rock, like mm-hmm. as like Pokemon. And you've got <laughs> your three starter Pokemon, and it's the Ramones, mm-hmm. the Sex Pistols, and the Clash. Right. There are probably others that Standard, are a little yeah. bit more fitting. Mm-hmm. But I, it's funny because I, I feel like there's a, there's a point in my life where I got into the later punk rock. I got into punk rock in the 90s, and okay. I started from the, the, the entry level of like, Blink-182 and right, right. I went backwards and then there was a point in time where like the Ramones were cheesy to me and then I reached the point <laughs> I'm like why did I ever think they were cheesy like, right right it's that's, just fun <laughs> that's that, I think that's the progression the natural progression if a, for a Ramones fan it's like first of all it's like what the hell am I watching second of all like I want to worship these guys now it's just the way their aesthetic and just the songs of course are hits and um it was just I have a short intention span anyway and you know, having a song for two and a half minutes, it's perfect. So, yeah, the Ramones just, I mean, that was the first introduction for me. You know, as a kid, you know, you grew up, you know, you're wanting your own little thing. And that was my own little, th- music wasn't really a big thing when I was a little kid. But I know that that started it off for me, for my interest in, you know, un, I guess, popular music, but my own. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then, of course, the joy of having friends that say, oh, I love that too. So, Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it's interesting about them is that, like, they weren't trying. I mean, the punk wasn't a thing when they started playing. And 
they weren't trying to be like a rock and roll band. They wanted to be like a pop band. I think right. Joey was more into the who is that guy? The producer, um, the Spectre. Yeah, yeah. That, so that Spectre, guy, yeah. He was he was super into that. And then end of the century, you can hear the influence. Well, he was the producer on it. Um, yeah, he was all crooner and yeah, the the girl bands. And it's funny because mm-hmm. like y- that's very clear in the Ramones. You, I mean, this this song is a cover of a Bobby Freeman song Bobby he wrote Freeman. in the fifties. Mm-hmm. He was seventeen, so it's very. You know, it's very teeny bopper. Did you see the list of how many how many people covered a that bunch. song? Yeah, like, it, I wrote a few. Uh, John Lennon, John Lennon, T Rex, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, Bette Midler, Bette Midler, Ma- Mamas and the Papas. I think Stevie Nicks too. I can't wow. remember. Yeah, she did, and they all had their own versions. And that's and I'm pretty sure you get this a lot. Uh, I love, I I like a cover song. I love it when a band does it their own way. I know you hear that a lot. That's just the honest truth. Uh, and the Ramones, of course, no one's... I mean, everybody now sounds like the Ramones, I guess, in a in a way. Uh, but back then, I'm pretty sure that blew everybody's mind. So, Yeah, definitely. Blew mine. For sure. No, and I, I think it... I, I'm, like, kind of jealous you got to, like, experience that, <laughs> you know, from that point. Because yeah. I didn't get into anything punk-related to, like, my pre-teens or teens. It ju- like I said, it was just... The movie of the week, but it was super late, and I, I think that my parents let me stay up late, and I was up with a bunch of friends, and you know that was on, and I was like, "What the hell is this? Is this is this a are these cartoon characters? You know, <laughs> like, it was just you know the way they look, and just as a as a young kid, that was that was like strange to me and appealing at the same time, and then the the song was just like, "Oh man, this is great," and then you start following them. I had cousins had the records, and you know. It's just a whole downward spot of a good thing. And yeah, I mean, but the proper punk, I guess I, you know, as a kid, I mean, I went back too, just like you did and saw all the other stuff around that time, the clash. And, but for me it was like the damned and stuff like, oh that. yeah, man, that's, that's just the Holy grail of everything. Do you have a preference when it comes to like East coast and West coast? Mm. Cause I know damned aren't I consider them West Coast because even though they're not from here, but they just remind me of like of California, like really? LA. I think Man. because I think a lot of it's because in the Germs movie, they're in there and they're assholes, <laughs> and I just like oh, like I have associated them with the Germs in LA now. Man, East Coast versus West Coast punk. Well, it depends on what kind of genre, really. I mean, because there's you know these subgenres of punk rock. Uh, Black Flag for me is like one of my favorite punk bands below. Descendants and Ramones, um, so that's West Coast. Uh, East Coast for me would be like the hardcore scene, uh, Fugazi and uh, Minor Threat. That to me is two different sounds, but like for me, they're just they don't sound the same. But you can tell there's a West Coast East Coast. It's like a vibe, yeah. It's a vibe, yeah. And like, of course, like Social Distortions, total sounds like West Coast, you know. Um, but Ramones, the New York side of it, they were the only ones that sounded like that at the time. Uh, I really didn't get into, like, I, I don't really consider, like, Blondie. I mean, even though they were, they shared, you know, you know, CBGBs, CBGBs yeah. and Maxes and everything like that. It just, I thought it was cool. But the Stooges, the Ramones, I mean, that's my, that's my shit right there. So those, those, those to me, I guess East Coast, I don't know. I, I, I mean... Shoot, I support everything local. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's. I go back and forth too, and and I think. Uh, what would you say? I I feel like, and I think it's just because New York in general just feels cooler, 
and it feels cooler and that's i kind of it's where it started yeah i mean it's a hip-hop started there and it's just a like epicenter of like all cool things music wise. You but know? then if you go to the, the if you hear those scary stories of the West Coast and be- yeah, uh, Black Flag songs on, or shows how they were so violent. Yeah, that's intriguing to me too. I, mean, I, I was listening to a podcast with Fat Mike and he was just talking about like they knew someone was going to get stabbed at any punk show they were going to, you know. And it's just like that was it was just something that they they lived with and and that's more in the west coast you just you don't see it as much i'm sure it happened i mean they talk about what's his name from the dead boys getting stabbed mm. across the chest uh but i don't even think that was at a show i think that was just like outside of a bodega <laughs> i mean going to a gg allen show can oh, you yeah. imagine <laughs> yeah it's it's funny bringing up gg allen cuz in that same podcast fat mike was talking i think it was an artwork interview actually he's talking about he went to go see G.G. Allen. It was one of the ones where he said he was going to kill himself. So mm-hmm. he was like mm-hmm. there for that. Mm-hmm. And that like he like took a dump on the stage <laughs> and like ate it all up. And he's about to like spit it out like uh-huh. a baby. Uh-huh. And Fat Mike saw this and ducked. And the guy behind him, it was someone famous. I can't remember who it was. Like it got all. <laughs> oh, no. Face. Oh, my God. Well, his most in- infamous shows were have been in San Antonio. I don't know if you know. Oh, I know that. Yeah. G.G. Allen? Yeah. If you go to YouTube, you can see some of them there. They're at the DMZ on Couples Road. Oh, wow. And um, he had a bunch of shows off of Avenue B in that area. There was, I forgot the name of the club. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I think I tried to get into a show, but I wasn't allowed or, I don't know. I saw I saw him, like him yeah. actually. Yeah, it's scary shit. <laughs> it's intimidating. But shows like that, I mean, you'll always remember um, – the shows that I went to here, some of them got pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, just those stories about the West Coast. I mean, I would love to have seen those shows. I'm not that old. But, um, yeah, I mean, but East Coast versus West Coast, I shoot, I just couldn't answer it. I uh, I, yeah, I totally understand. It's, 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 yeah, as I ask that question, I'm like, wait, do I even have an answer to this you question? Answer, I yeah, don't. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I love, like, I went back. Like, have you read Please Kill Me by Lex McNeil? No, no, but I know the book you're Great. Doing. It's yeah. so good. And the CBGB movies takes a lot mm-hmm. from it. Um, but, like, it, that's how I got into television. Mm. And uh, then I realized, like, the strokes are, like, television now. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I like Talking Heads. I like I like Blondie. And, and But it just made me remember, like, watching that movie and reading that book just mm-hmm. it reminded me how much I love the Ramones. I I mean, I they, they kind of started something to where... People, because I I was in a punk band too, and I didn't know how to play. I mean, I didn't want to learn how to play any kind of solos. It was just punk rock. That's all I knew. The three chords. That's all I needed. And I I didn't want to say that I was lazy about it, but I I was you know I didn't really care. I just wanted to see if I can keep a melody. And the Ramones to me are the ones that like yeah started just my journey in learning how to play. Being in a band, I mean, learned a lot from them just by. Just by hearing their silly songs, I guess yeah. you'd say. And and it, I mean, man, I don't know. A lot, I think I think I can speak for a lot of punk bands, and that that that's pretty much how it started. Uh, younger guys like yourself, I mean, yeah, I, I would. I, I'm always curious to know, like, what's your introduction to punk rock? Because I, a lot of people say a lot of different things, and yeah, like Blink One Eighty Two, and uh, I mean, Blink One Eighty Two played a lot of shows at that Couples Road. On DMZ. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, we saw a lot of shows there, and they were great. I mean, it, it was punk to me, and it's still punk to me, the, the older records. So hearing that, I mean, that's definitely a Ramones influence. 
um, pop punk in general. I think yeah. they're the innovators of it. So, but I don't think they call themselves pop punk. Yeah. So, which is funny because like they didn't call themselves that, but that's what they were kind of going even call for. Call themselves punk, right? Yeah, I would think. Uh, well, I mean, they they it was a it was a term not of endearment, but it was mm-hmm. it was meant to be like mm-hmm. William S. Burroughs referred it to uh, anybody who takes it up the butt is what he referred it to. And uh, it was just, it was kind of like, it was a derogatory name and they, they flipped the, you and know, what there, the magazine called punk, but yeah, Lex yeah. McNeil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he claims that he, he claimed the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, it traveled to England and then that's where the sex pistols saw them. And, and then they pretended like they invented it. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, I mean, bands like that, like the sex, sex pistols, I, I, I liked not as much as the Ramones. I think the the Sex Pistols have the best guitar punk sound ever. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if that's a stretch, but just <laughs> just that Les Paul, uh, the trebly, the the Les Paul Marshall combination of that, with the way the Sex Pistols and Steve Jones's riffs is the best. I, I mean, I think so. Uh, it, I'm not really into like guitar heroes and stuff like that, but. That sound right there was just, it really got me at that early age. And I'm just like, damn, that's some tough riffs. Pretty easy to do on, on guitar, but I think it was just the combination. Anyway, Did you hear, I mean, is this a rumor on how he got that equipment? No, I haven't heard. That they were in a practice space. I mean, I think I saw this on the on their, on their documentary, but Steve Jones stole it from David Bowie's. Oh, really? Rig, yeah, because he couldn't afford a Gibson and Marshall setup, but uh, they were at a practice space and they he stole it. Oh, wow. Or used it, and <laughs> he's been using it ever since, so that combination. So, yeah, I thought that was, you know, of course, punk rock. But the Damned in that area, I, I love the Damned more than Sex Pistols, and just just the gothic aspect of it, too, because I grew up in, like, 80s goth type, too. Uh, before when I guess when I was getting into middle school, that's when the... New wave, I guess, post punk yeah. side came out. Listening to the Smiths, of course, and Cure, but the Damned always like kind of brought me back into like, hey, remember you used to listen to a lot of punk? <laughs> These guys were scary looking too. So I or, think Love Song is like one of like the man. most underrated punk songs. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just everything about it is just so. Well, their first record is just every song on there is is a hit to me. It's just a banger and and. That was like first Ramones record to me. It's every song on there is just so great. Um, the cover that we're we're talking about that one's on uh, their third record or the second. Record? I'm, I'm not sure. It's a uh, Rocket to Russia. Rocket to Russia. Yeah. So is that their third? I think it actually might be their fifth. They released two in '77. This mm. was the second one they released in '77, and they had released okay. two in '75 wow. and '70. So I think it might be their fifth. Wow. Um, but it's funny because uh, when they went to go record it, this was like, this was very similar to when like Green Day got Dookie and the Offspring because mm-hmm. punk was becoming a little bit more marketable. Right. And Sire Records gave them $30,000 or $25,000 wow. to record this album. They spent most of it on production. And, um, Green Day? Uh, 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 Ramones. Oh, the Ramones. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like they spent most of it on the production aspect of it, not so much the recording aspect mm-hmm. of it. And uh, Tommy w- r- recorded. He co-recorded it with Tony Bon Jovi, who is John Bon Jovi's cousin. No shit. Yeah. Really. Wow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they were, but but according to Johnny Bon Jovi was like Do- Tony Bon Jovi was like bon hardly Jovi's ever there. Is a real name though? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's spelled different. It <laughs> looks a lot more Italian. <laughs> okay. Bon Jovi. Yeah. It's like 
B-O-N-G-I-O-V-A, Bon Giovanni or something like that. But that would, um, that would be a cool name for a band. Oh yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tommy was saying that um Johnny it, so Sex Pistols had just released God Save the Queen mm-hmm. and Johnny came with the record and was so upset because he thought they were jocking his that the wow. Ramones and he was like, I listened to this and we need to make an album better than wow. this. So that was like the motivation for it. I think Johnny got up. Is it Joey or Johnny? Uh, well, they got upset when they heard White Riot, right? Is, I don't is know that what it was because they're like, "This is good." <laughs> yeah, because that song is just—I mean, it's so powerful, and I can only imagine when they're hearing it for the first time, and then being an influence by them. You know what I mean? It kind of—I mean, it's—I mean, it's like a Ramon song, but like. Yeah, overcharged, you know. That, that just, upbeat, it's, it's just so like hits you in the face. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting with the Clash because I was reading about. There's this really great article called "The Curse of the Ramones" on Rolling Stone. I can't remember the guy who wrote it, um, but it's really good. You can just search "Curse of the Ramones," mm-hmm. and it's this very long. It's, it's it's a very long piece, but it it basically sums up their career and and like all the like the. The, the best points and they were talking about how um they were talking to joey strummer mm-hmm. when they went to england and that he was kind of nervous because he didn't think the clash was ready and johnny either johnny or joey told him was like well if you wait till you're ready you're gonna be old and mm. it's not gonna you know you're not gonna you're gonna miss your opportunity that's kind of his attitude yeah i mean towards everything i mean they toured nonstop uh throughout the whole year and they didn't. They didn't wait. They didn't have. No, it seems like they didn't have any kind of rest or hiatus, or did they? I mean, like in the eighties, they were on. Yeah. Full. Um, their last record was in the nineties. Ninety six. Yeah. And yeah, they never stopped between then. And then they did, you know, reunion shows. Did they ever do like official comeback shows? No, right? Because no. I think, Joey just probably did his solo career. Yeah, he had the solo stuff, but he also he had lymphoma in '97, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And then um, Johnny, I think, got sick around the same time, wow. but he he lived a little bit longer. Do you follow any of them on Instagram? I, uh, Linda Ramone, his Joey's Johnny's wife. Yeah, kind of like does these great uh, pictures of the oh cool like, rare pictures of them together and stuff like that, and it's just great. And she's really like within the community like i've done artwork on them oh cool and she's shared some of my oh it's awesome pieces. yeah so I, I i would you know every time that happens i'm I just get giddy uh but yeah it's just uh that i forgot what i was talking about the uh but linda ramone and the linda ramone stuff um yeah I, oh i just wanted you to check it out because they have just so many great pictures of it but uh we were talking about the clash too yeah um, are y'all are you fans of the Clash? I, mean, I like the Clash. It's funny because my introduction was um, Rock the Casbah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, when I found out like people were like, oh yeah, Clash is a punk band. I'm like, no, they're like a new wave band. Like, that was the only <laughs> well, song I heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, But then I heard Combat Rock, and then you know, um, Guns of Brixton, and uh, I mean, I I, uh, I can't even think of my favorite Clash song, but White Riot's definitely up White there. Riot's up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guns of Brixton is one of my favorites. But like, do you consider like Devo? punk i i have a very like broad term of punk so yeah i, I so definitely I fit too. them in yes, there yes exactly that's i do too and and the Minutemen and all that i mean it's just strange music but i mean w- it, it just depends on your definition of punk because yeah I, I consider devo punk. and um 
Yeah, I mean, the, but I still think the Ramones is the center point of, of where it started. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because I've brought this up a few times on, on this uh, on on our podcast here, but I can't remember if it was uh, uh, Robert Plant or or, or Daughtry uh, from uh, from the Who um, who said when Nirvana hit big in ninety two ninety one or whatever. He said, "Oh, it's great that like America finally has their own roots of of punk." And so many people were pissed off, wow. like, "No, like, come on, like, you can't wow. look look at seventy seven and look what you guys did shortly after that, right?" You know, oh, it, man, wow. it's just the biggest blip in like a lot of people's minds. Right? They forget and they f- know about CBG, but they forget like that's that's where it started. That's where everything started. Yeah. And then like, okay, can we talk about like the Misfits? Yeah. Because I I they're very Ramones e. But I think they're going it in a different way. It, I mean, punk definitely. But what kind of punk do you think that influenced? So one of our former guests, we were talking about the Misfits, and he said, "When I brought up the Misfits, he's like, yes, the Misfits, the Sci-Fi Ramones.'" And I thought that was the best way to describe. That them. is the best way to describe. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I I, I I would say like Satanic Ramones. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, I, they're definitely influenced by the Ramones. I've met uh, uh, what's his name, the guitarist uh, Jerry Only or oh. um, Doyle. Doyle, Doyle. Uh, the podcast that I was uh, with, the Unavoidable Drudge, we had interviewed him, and yeah, I mean his influences were the Ramones. And uh, man, that guy's big. He's huge. Uh, he got mad at me for giving him vegan cupcakes. Oh, was, really? Yeah, they were <laughs> vegan cupcakes. I got him from Green, and he he got mad, and he said, these are not vegan. Oh, really? I'm like, what? (laughs) They are. He's like, no, bro. No, they're not. And he got mad at me. And then I went to Green the next day and said, look, I I almost got killed by by Doyle from the Misfits. And they're like, tell him to call me. They're vegan. So if Doyle's listening, um, I swear to you they were vegan. But that was just a funny story. But it's interesting, you know, because it, it, the inf- influence is definitely very clear. You know, you can hear a lot of Ramones and the Misfits, but with Danzig especially, he was really into girl groups also. Mm-hmm. He was really into, like, the Runettes and the Spectre, the Phil Spectre stuff, and you could hear that in his vocals. And I always, I'm a big champion of any female singer covering Danzig because I feel like I don't know what it is. Every, every band fronted by a woman that does a cover, I've loved the cover. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. And that band that you brought up, I think they're like one of the innovators of punk rock. I mean, what the the that big sound that oh the run the, uh, like Phil Spector's bands the Phil Spector uh, the era, the era because like Jesus and Mary Chain all that kind of stuff I love uh, the shoegaze era era but that that sound that they try to copy I think that's what I genuinely like in music that just that pop you know simple songs. That's it. That's punk rock to me. Yeah. And just by Joey and, you know, just being influenced by that. I mean, that's pretty great. I mean, that's, that's, that's funny how it is started. And like something like, you know, the crooners in that time influence. But do you think Glenn was influenced like by like the doors? I, I, I would assume so. I could hear that. I know Elvis, he's a big Elvis, Elvis guy. Yeah, that's like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I hear, I hear like Jim Morrison in it. There is a lot of like the like the somber like mm-hmm. I can't even do this like 
voice without like wanting to put my hair down. And you, I feel you like have to do it now. the devil lock is very, uh, <laughs> it's very reminiscent of Jim Morrison's face with his hair all in right. his face. And right. I, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it, it, it creates that vibe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I hear Jim Morrison, uh, of course, Elvis. Did you did you hear his his? his I heard a cover, couple of songs. His cover record. I heard a couple of the songs from it, which is great because my uncle introduced me to the Misfits. Uh-huh. My grandma, his mom, is a big Elvis fan. I'm like, oh man, Perfect. this is the Venn diagram coming <laughs> together. Of course, yeah, that's pretty much the Venn diagram. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I hear I I just hear I, a lot of people th- think I'm full of shit when I say that, but Jim Morrison's in there. He's got to have been some sort of influence. But that record, yeah, that that was a trip. I thought that was like around the time they were forming back, right? Yeah. About the that was the reunion tour. He was a little bit after actually, yeah. And because he was started putting on the makeup and everybody was losing their shit, so I was just like, "Oh shit, it's happening!" <laughs> but I, it already had happened, right? Yeah, the reunion had. Well, I should say, I thought the I thought album was, came out later, but he might have been started recording. He was re- teasing it with yeah. that photo, and okay, that's what it was. Yeah, and man, I mean, I only saw it on YouTube. So. <laughs> it was pretty great. Well. The Misfits' uh, original live is playing Riot Fest next year. Next year? Yeah, they played a couple years ago. And then wait, 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 wait. What did you say? <laughs> Riot Fest 2022 is the Misfits' original lineup. What's the original lineup? Well, it's going to be Doyle, Jerry, Only, and, okay. uh, and Danzig. Okay. And I, I think they're bringing the dude from Slayer back Oh, on drums. Okay, so the, the last one that happened. Yeah, so okay. I think they're okay. doing that again next year. I was like, Robo? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, I, I love hearing these connections especially i mean i was very familiar with the song saturday by the bay city rollers but when i found out that was the inspiration for hey ho let's go mm. it made me love that song even more really yeah That's great i think it's one of my like top plays on spotify because it's just <laughs> it's a feel good you know song it and, it just, and it's so like disco is you know so poppy mm-hmm. and it's so like bubblegum but but it reminds me of the ramones now are you into ramones core no, I don't even know if I know it. That. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, like uh, the Queers, Squeaky oh, yeah. So Ramones like bands that are blatant ripoffs of the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, because there's, I mean, I like the Riverdales. Riverdales, Riverdales are, are essentially what? Ramones. Right, yeah, exactly. River, Riverdales are, are my introduction to Ramones. The Queers, uh, man, those songs are, are great. They're just melodic, perfect timing, everything like that. And they're blatant ripoffs of the Ramones. <laughs> they don't give a shit. So the, I, I grew up listening to that a bunch. Uh, there were other bands, too. And the bands now, like Teenage Bottle Rocket, yeah. um, I mean, they, they carry that legacy. And it's, it's great. I mean, for a person like me that loves that stuff, it's great. I love. I mean, I, I was real big on, like, as Damien from Fucked Up calls it, the epifat, epitaph and mm, fat wreck. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all that stuff in the nine. That was, like... I was a horrible skater, but I love listening to that music for skating. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, I mean, I, I grew up on like Lagwagon and, oh, uh, you know, nice. um, even the no effects stuff of the 90s and, mm-hmm. and uh, Pennywise. Mine, mine was uh, the Epifat sound was, yeah. uh, for me, was Lagwagon for sure. Face to face, no effects, of course. Um, yeah. I, Pennywise, I, 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 it was one of those, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to like them if I'm liking those other bands, but <laughs> I just couldn't get into them. I tried. I really tried. I think there's a niche for yeah, it. I, but it sounds like those stuff I like, but um, yeah, I just couldn't get into them. 
but uh, the Bad Religion area, you know, that, those were just, yeah, the epithet sound. My, the band that I was in a long time ago, Lackluster, we tried, I guess, for that sound. It's hard. It's, yeah. It's super hard. Because, <laughs> I mean, at the core of it, it's pop music, you know, and it's hard to write these hooks, regardless of whether you're screaming the lyrics or if you're playing 200 beats per minute, you know. What, what is that drum technique? Um, the... Uh, Oh man! If you'd asked me this yesterday, would I get like going but blank you know right what I'm now? About, yeah, right? it was on the right. It was it was on that documentary on Fat Records too. It's the uh, the the producer sound. What was his name? Um, I want to say Ryan Davis, but I don't know if that's correct. I'm not sure. But he, if you looked, it said engineered by this person. He's on that documentary, and he's like, "Oh, they call it my sound, <laughs> whatever." And it's that you know. Uh yeah, we grew up on that too. I was a terrible skater too. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was and then Fat Records made Honest Dons and that had a little bit more pop punk. Yeah. The Ramonesy. It's a little bit more ska too, a little bit like a, a little reggae bit. um re- reggae cuz like uh Mad Caddies were on that at Mad first. Mad Caddies were on that. And I loved Mad Caddies when mm-hmm. I was a kid and their first album's a lot more it's called Quality Softcore cuz it is a lot more softcore. Did you ever listen to like Hagfish? Like I know of them, I never really got into yeah, them. The guitars now is 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 in Rise Against. Oh wow! And so it's a crazy story just from here to one of the biggest bands now. I get, and then um, that Chicago scene's nuts though. I mean, they're from Dallas. Rise Against? No, uh, Hag- Hagfish. All the and the bass player now is in oh, the Toys. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, his twin brother. Or, no, they're not twins, but uh, yeah, everything's from in Dallas. Uh, but Honest Don's was. In that area, and then they were in. They were in another label that was, what is it? Because it Fat Records branched out, yeah, to other 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 labels. They had like subsidiaries and Mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's where I guess it got less intense, (laughs) but more poppy. I was listening to Fat Mike on on Damien Abraham's uh, uh, podcast, and he was talking about on it. He made Honest Dons specifically for the bands that, because I mean, every band on Fat Rick. Almost sounded like no effects, right? So there was right. like I don't know if it was like an ego it was thing. that sound, that producer sound, yeah. And and so the bands that he didn't want associated with that brand, but he liked, he, liked he put on Honest mm-hmm. Dons, that and then sense. some of them would graduate up to mm-hmm. to that. And then now Fat Rick's very, he's kind of getting more diverse. It's yeah, and Epitaph, is, Epitaph's nuts now. It's, it's just, crazy. It's everything's on there, right? And Weezer put an album on really? Epitaph. Herbie, wow. it was on Epitaph, yeah. Okay, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but like, I was gonna say, like, why is Weezer so horrible right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say the White Album is my favorite album since Pinkerton. What? I love the Beach Boys though, and I could hear Brian Wilson in the White Album, and there's so many songs on that album that sound like reprises of Pinkerton songs. Mm. I'm 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 that guy to where <laughs> the Blue Record and Pinkerton, and that's it. That is it. It's fair. It's but it's 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 it seems like every time because those records at the in the nineties were so great and they're like this is the band that's never gonna let me down but every <laughs> record has just been awful and yeah I mean I get shit like people get on you know super upset with me but um yeah I just I just why are they so horrible <laughs> I think a lot of it is they've got the blank check to do whatever they want like the Beatles you uh, see? To an extent, I mean, they, they can do, Rivers is going to do whatever he wants with, the, and I think. Do you think money had everything to do with it? Oh, yeah. For I mean, sure. that's, that's, that has a lot to do with it for sure. I, I, but I also think that he's very stubborn 
And there's a lot of stuff I heard about the White Album because I love the White Album, and in the album after that, I did not like Pacific Daydream. And there was stuff that he wanted to do on the White Album. His mm-hmm. producer told him no, so he said, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it on the next album." And then it just didn't work. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that he's very of the mind that like he has a certain way, and he's gotten so over the self consciousness that he had with Pinkerton mm-hmm. that he's not going to anything. If he likes it, that's all that matters to him. So you know? Matt Sharp will never and never get with him again because that's that's what made it. I love the rentals though, rentals and I'm glad amazing. that that divide made the rentals put out more albums because I. Oh I, yeah, yeah. You, well, then you're right. Yeah. Okay. So there's there a silver a lining, <laughs> <laughs> but Weezer's horrible. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, with the that '90s you know epithet sound and. And how much of it is you, you hear the influences and just to see what, what those bands are doing now as they're getting older. I think Lagway, I forget how much Lagwagon shreds until I listen to like, like I think Burn um, on, I think the album was Blaze. It was like a later, okay. I think 2004 album, mm-hmm. 2005. And I just remember like, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, they can shred. And I look back, right. I'm like, oh, they've always been able to shred. But right. there's just that sound that right. overpowers it in your mind, you know. Trashed is their best re- I mean that record really like I mean Whipping Boy is my favorite Lagwagon song and yeah uh, when they played here did you go to that show didn't I uh, I wanted to but I had I remember I wanted to but I couldn't and I was so upset because I had a prior obligation or something I mean I I could tell this story I don't know if we have time but yeah. it, it's it's a great story between uh, me JC from from Paper Tiger the sound guy uh, he was also in id and we kind of like partied with, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm also, um, I don't drink anymore, but, uh, this was like my favorite part drinking just because Joey, I did the poster for the, for that a show dope poster for that show. You saw it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I did the show. He recognized me on stage. Like he's like, right. You know, cause I was in the pit and we just hung out in there and he wanted to go to the mix and there was this jazz singer just singing. I don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know what he's singing. But he was asking for this licorice liquor. I don't know. And Mix had it. And he just looked at me and he goes, Ray, I just want to let you know I'm having the best time. <laughs> so, you know, you're, <laughs> That's you're, awesome. you're a hero. Just like you're hanging out in this weird, you know, scene with this jazz singer just singing. And you just got out of the well, great show with Lagwagon. And you're, you know, one of your heroes is saying, I'm having the best time. They make movies about this stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Again, I could have been super trash, but, <laughs> but then I, I remember what I remember and, and, I, and I'm good with it. But then our friend JC came out and then he, we were just wanting to talk to them. He started getting recognized at the mix and everybody went to take pictures. He's like, let's just go in the bus and start drinking. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so again, we went there and. And uh, had had a great time. I have pictures. It's it's on the internet, and um, it was just a great. I mean, at the end of it, we we're just like, "What the fuck just happened?" We got out like at four in the morning, and we we're just like, "We just partied out with Lagwagon." <laughs> so, yeah, Lagwagon's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I another kind of. I heard him on. I don't know which podcast Joey. it was. Joey, he was a a janitor at some bar <laughs> in New York. And his last day, Gigi Allen was playing. No. <laughs> what a weird last day. So he, like, walks up and he's like, he looks at his boss. He's like, I'm not going to do it. Like, <laughs> go ahead and fire me. <laughs> like, you should see those videos from Gigi Allen and just Gigi Allen, San Antonio, DMZ. It's on there. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. He, he 
you'll see it just starts off insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on that same note, you paid tribute to Randy's, which is where the Sex Pistols played their one show and in San Ramones. Antonio. Oh, Ramones played there too. Yeah. same mm-hmm. night. No. Oh, no, okay. No, no. Uh, I forgot the. the I, I I remember the story about the Sex Pistols one, but yeah, I mean that that place had a lot of the Joan Jett played there or the Runaways played there. Oh, cool. And uh, who else? Uh, Damn, I I put it on the poster, but um, yeah, that place is like legendary, and I think there should be some sort of landmark, yeah. or a little plaque, those Texas plaques, yeah, that, that that should honor that because man, I drove by it recently, and I was like, wow, like I'd never like paid attention to like mm-hmm. I've probably driven by it several times, mm-hmm. but. And I, I saw, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's mm-hmm. where Randy's was. Right. And, and that place, uh, DMZ's on Couples Road. I mean, Couples Road is just this little street on the west side. Is it on the west side? Yeah. Off of 90. Yeah. And, and you would never know that, like, like, major, major punk bands have played there. And um, I think Rancid was there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Bands like that, and then Randy's, and even in the, on the Strip, I mean, how... It's just incredible. And the showcase, you're familiar with the showcase? Uh, I think that's so. on West Avenue. I don't know if I'm right, but it's either West Avenue or Baxter, in between that area. But that's where Green Day, you know, oh, Bat, cool. Bad Religion, uh, Danzig played there, Fugazi played there. Uh, those are like the best shows I've ever seen there uh, or in, in, in town. It's interesting because I, I feel like a lot, of, I mean, everyone, this is obvious for people from San Antonio, but like everything's kind of like downtown has kind of a monopoly on mm. these venues and it's so wild to hear about these places and know like this was on the west side mm-hmm. this was off 90 these mm-hmm. were like far out and i don't know what it is about I, i'm sure capitalism has a lot to do with it. gentrification has a lot mm-hmm. to do with it but i just think it's so crazy that there was a point where i mean you didn't if you lived in a northwest side you didn't have to travel all the way downtown to see a show right well, in North St. Mary's, I mean, the Paper Tiger, I think, do a really good job pulling in great bands yeah. that are playing. I mean, the Descendants are playing. Yeah. Sold out, too. I just, I, I've been, I get paid on Friday and I was waiting. I'm like, just hold out for me for two days. Did I you could. get a ticket? No, I might. What? I, I live in Austin, so I might see them in Austin, which won't be as fun because it's at Stubbs. It's a bigger. I want to see them in a club. Well, th- well I'm, I'm probably like, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but I, I, I already went ahead and did the poster for it. So I did I did pay an homage to the last time the descendants were in San Antonio and it was in eighty five. Oh wow. At the Bone Club. Oh wow. And uh I've I've tried to get other I was five I think I was ten. I think it was ten. So I, I didn't, of course. But I'm trying to like reach out to other people older than me. I mean, that were in that area or in a part of that scene around that time. And it they're kind of hard to find you know so, yeah <laughs> so i don't know if they saw the descendants there but man in 85 so yeah i was 10 years old that was right before they turned into all right uh would have you seen filmage yeah i just okay. saw it yeah i think it was i think it was 86 that that they because they released all milo quit and um then they decided to be all around that time mm-hmm. sometime around that man do you, i mean are your are, descendants all is like like the, my Ramones, Descendants, Black Flag, but Descendants and All are like my top top bands. Uh, yeah, filmage is incredible. It's great. It made all. me feel bad for not liking All as much as I feel I like I should. All. I love. <laughs> I like them, but I not all. not to them. the level of Descendants. It's for all me. about Bill, though. Bill's. Oh drums, yeah, yeah. His his drumming. I mean, he made good, great Black Flag songs. I mean, it's just the way he drums. It's that's what 
really brings you. He in. was in Blackface with the like Rollins era, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I I feel my everyone has. What's your favorite era of Black Flag? Of Black Flag? Yeah. Rollins. Oh, Rollins? Hey, shoot. I love TV party. I'm like, I'm probably into minority with that, but like that. No, that's a great record. But <laughs> Keith is is just his voice, but then Ramirez and then like, man, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's another podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Rollins, I mean, it's the. Uh, did you get to see them when they came here the last time? No. And that's, I, my, that's Mike Vallely. Yeah, because I, I get did. so confused about which one is which lineup because there's flag and then there's black flag. And I want to see flag. Uh, that, that, but that's that has the Keith Morris members, version, right? But that has, yeah, but it has the Descendants members. Oh, okay. It has Stefan and uh, Bill playing incredible lineup. But uh, black flag with Mike was great. I, th- I thought it was. He, he's kind of, um, he's kind of uh, in that era of TV party, I guess. Yeah. But um, he's just a tough guy. I mean, yeah. you see him. I mean, you don't want to mess with him. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then my favorite era of all. I don't know. Did you have a favorite era? See, I, I, my introduction to all was kind of where I, like, that's my, that's my version of all to where like I listened <laughs> to like Worlds on Heroin is. I learned Chad about Price's version. Yeah, he's he's the greatest all singer I think. But Scott Reynolds, uh, I think. Man, his songs were just like so romantic, and you know, just that era. His his voice was just so sincere. But yeah, Chad Price's voice is like really in your face. Yeah, that's what they're talking about in filmage and very um, Milo-ish, if if you will. Yeah, yeah. and Milo, uh, well, they they did both backup vocals on each other's records. Oh, cool. So yeah, Chad Price was on Everything Sucks. I mean. That that's one of their greatest records, and it was in Epitaph. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because they they kind of brought everybody back. They even brought um, Epitaph. Th- no, uh, that everything sucks. Oh, th- they had um, the original. I can't remember his name. Tony, the original bassist mm-hmm. and uh, an original guitarist, who played on a few tracks, I believe. That new record, right? They're, they're, they brought back their first original lineup for the record. For was it? For, I, I don't know the history of that record, but the songs are sound. I think it's it's a, an homage to the. First, first, very first original lineup with Milo. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I my introduction to Descendants was on another comp. Um, oh. Short music for short people. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> I like food. Oh, yeah. And I thought I hated the Descendants because I hated that song. And then That's not a good introduction. To yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, uh, you know Mitch Clem, right? Mm-mm. Nothing Nice to Say. He's, he lives in San Antonio. He, okay. he has a webcomic, or he had a webcomic called Nothing Nice to Say. And I followed it for a lot. And a lot of punk bands I got into because of him and he had this whole strip about like descendants talking about like yeah they'll write this like beautiful like you know <laughs> song about this and then they've got wiener schnitzel and mm-hmm. I eat, and I like food and I was like wait wait not all their songs sound like that don't forget Van about farts yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's their one of their best songs ever I'm just <laughs> but yeah yeah I mean but then they'll write the best love song ever like I mean, to me, and then hearing a song like Cheer is just like, if you get dumped by a girl, you hear that song, you'll feel better like in five <laughs> minutes. So they're just the best band. I mean, I think Joey said in that filmage that they're the they're the punk rock Beach Boys. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a perfect way of describe them. I love, I just love, I, I think my favorite song is Bikeage. Mm. And um, I, I just, the whole intro is just, it, it gives me goosebumps almost because it's just very like. Live is amazing. Oh, I That's bet. Like, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Uh, the last time I saw them was in Austin. Uh, that was at Stubbs, and um, 
I was staying at the same hotel they they were staying at. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have. I mean, I I was hungover the next day, and then I was leaving the hotel, and I see Carl and Milo walking down, and seeing this piece of art at Stubbs, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to get a photo with them. I was hungover. <laughs> I was trying to. I drove, and then they went back to the hotel, and I was like, damn it! And I already had parked, and I followed them, and they went into this van, and I was like, oh, that's my shot. So I looked in the van, I went to it, and they were just about to close it. But all four of them looked at me going like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and the door closed, and they drove off. I'm like, they all saw me. <laughs> I was that weird guy. <laughs> that was that, oh, you remember me. <laughs> but, That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, I think uh, I think it's cool just to, I like that these bands are still touring. They're mm-hmm. still, I mean, most of these bands are still alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're able to, to do and I, It's just fun to see them grow, too, and like, I, I I can understand being fifty and not wanting to play songs about that you wrote when you were sixteen, but it's true. They know the fans enjoy it, so I yeah. mean, to them, it, it it evolves beyond its original meaning. What do you think about now that that COVID is kind of going away, and like I'm noticing that all these these shows that are coming up, Descendants, and uh, there's a lot of other punk shows that are coming into town that that I I don't think would happen. Like last, like the year, like in 2019, and now they're happening now. So are you? It's pretty much saying like what you're saying. Like older people are like, let's just get out there, yeah, and do what we used to do. And now's a perfect time because we can. For sure, so, there, there's a band called. Uh, I don't, have you, are you familiar with Titus Andronicus? I've heard of it. Yes, I've um, heard of it. they put out an album ten years ago, and in 2019 they did an interview and said, "Hey, the 10th anniversary is coming up, 2021. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tour for that?" And the lead singer was like, "No, like." We have no intention of doing that. Like, I'm embarrassed about things in that record. It didn't come out the way I wanted to. And then they just announced a few days really? ago. Yeah, like a span of two years. I'm sure there is a sense of, like, um, you know, humility in the sense of, like, oh, like, hey, like, we don't, we get to do this. And that one year of not being able to do this, not having the choice mm-hmm. to do this, like, we need to take advantage while we can, you know. That's cool. So, I mean, are they going to play here in San Antonio? No, I think, I don't even think they're playing in Texas. I think oh, it's wow. most, they're an East Coast band. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just, they did like five or six shows. Do you shows. think a lot of people are skipping Texas? I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like <laughs> not to get political. I'm but, trying not to get political, yeah. but I, I I see it. I see it happening in the future, and it sucks. But you know, I can understand. But at the same time, it's like you know, I could see like festivals coming in and maybe pulling out now just because of you know what's going on, and it's pretty sad. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm scared of it. I hope it's not the case. You know, like I'm grateful of the bands that are that that do want yeah. to decide to come in. I think there are a lot of bands like I think the Mountain Goats played a couple of years ago, and they had I don't think they ever came to San Antonio before, mm. and they they said that they had like that was like the best show. Of course, and, so they're coming back. Great. And I bought tickets for him before Great. COVID. Yeah. And it's been postponed Dude, three times. San Antonio is a treasure. I mean, a lot of bands say that too. I mean, that's so great. I mean, a lot of people don't like Austin, but they'll love San Antonio. Just and it's just down the street, so it's a different vibe. And I think that there's different aspects of it. And I feel like there are certain crowds. I, there are certain shows in Austin that it, if it was in San Antonio, I, I try to go back and mm-hmm. forth depending on the band. There are shows that I'd rather see in San Antonio, mm. and then there are shows that like I'm okay with seeing in Austin because mm-hmm. they bring it like I love the Mohawk. That's like my favorite um, venue in, in mm-hmm. Austin. Might be my favorite venue, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always bring it in stuff that like I want to see, and and I've always had a good time. And the 
crowd is always vibing. Then you go to another show and like that has a type similar vibe, but it's more spread out. It's a lot like if of. If you were to go to Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Stubbs is nice and great, but it's, I just feel like it's too wide sometimes. It's too wide. And then, like, I remember being in the back and the, just in the Austin area. They're just, the, I mean, they could have. It didn't. I don't think they. It's it's. It's wrong for me to assume that they're from like Austin. They could have been from somewhere yeah. else. But what I'm saying is that the crowd itself at at a place like Stubbs were just more of like, uh, they were not paying attention to the band. To where I went, I saw M83 in Houston, and everybody from front to back was dancing, and it was just the, one of the greatest experiences ever. Went to that same tour. They were playing in Austin, and I was like, well, let's just go see them in Austin. It was the one of the worst shows oh, I've man. ever been to. And the band played the same way, same songs, everything. But people were just like on their phones and stuff like that. But when you go to San Antonio and you see it like an intimate crowd, it's nuts. It's night and day difference of like, I don't know if you know if it's like, like they're just insane. Like we appreciate, I think the appreciation of a band coming to San Antonio, the crowd is just like, They'll, they'll let you know. Yeah. They'll let you know, and they really want to let you know that we are happy to have you here. For sure. And let's just get nuts. So stuff like that, like, I love that. I just love a good show here in town. And is it the Mohawk run by Paper Trail or Paper, uh, Trail, Paper um, Tiger? No, uh, you're talking about, like, uh, Resound? Are they the same own owners? I don't think so. Because hmm. I thought the person that owns Hot Joy owned Paper Tiger, and I don't I thought they owned a venue in Austin. I'm I could be totally wrong, but um, I thought that was like the connection to where why we started getting good shows. Well, it's because of uh, Margin Walker, the right. uh, the booking oh, man, agency. I miss those guys, but they now they're resound. They're the ones who brought the Descendants. In great, and then, great. Okay, so, so it's, they're back. They're just re. Yeah, they rebranded because uh, they were <laughs> originally Transmission. Mm. Transmission broke up, and then uh, Graham, the the founder, created um, uh, Margin Walker. Um, Fugazi reference, and That's then right. uh, from there, uh, because of COVID, they had to end Margin Walker. And those were they just they know oh, how, yeah. they know how to put a show together for sure. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the diversity of things mm-hmm. too. I, I think. Uh, that's one thing that I, I felt really when I just moved to Austin in December. Mm-hmm. And I lived there ten years ago, mm-hmm. but you know, moving back, I have this appreciation for San Antonio. When I was here, there'd be bands that I've seen like five or six times, mm-hmm. but if they're playing San Antonio, I'd never seen them in San Antonio. I'd want to go because I want this to keep on happening, not just for me, but mm-hmm. for other people too. Yeah. And I know I'm just one person and I don't want to like have this like narcissist level, like, <laughs> oh, I have to be there. But, uh, you know, it, 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 the more people I can get to go, the better because then they'll bring other people. In, right. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I think it's interesting to see just the different types of vibes uh, with different places and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I haven't really traveled a lot. I have gone to a few festivals out of Texas, and, mm-hmm. and but those festivals are the pe- the people that are there aren't all from that place. So it's it's an right. interesting yeah. dynamic. Yeah, that's that's why I was saying like yeah. I, I'm not going to judge Austin by just those people that were. It was a college town too, so they they're probably from you know who knows where. But oh, and festivals, yeah, dude. Oh man, I don't want to say the last festival I was at. <laughs> that really, I was in high school, so oh. Uh. <laughs> It was the Lollapalooza one with uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Beastie Boys as the headliners. Okay. Man, it was a great show, but I was like 17, 18. So that was the last festival I went to. 
It's a, uh, it's a, it's different. I mean, they're. I would band- consider Warp Tour a festival. It's we- yeah. It's I think like the touring aspect of it. It's it's it is a festival. It's just a big show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that. I mean, half the reason I went to Warp Tour was because of the the bang for your buck. You mm-hmm. know, you pay back then. It was like twenty, thirty bucks, and you'd see. 20, 30 bands that you like. It was 50 bucks the most, right? Yeah. Most recently, I think it was like 50, 54. Yeah. But I, I remember, because I my first Warped Tour was 2001. And I remember I saw, my first experience with Warped Tour was seeing AFI. Uh, this is after the Art of Drowning. So this is oh. before they were huge, but they were still but really right big. About, yeah. And the AFI fans were like huge for them. And Davey <laughs> came out and like stood on the crowd like he normally does. Mm-hmm. And the cool ex- coolest experience, I went to the last Warped Tour that was in San Antonio a few years ago, and I love Every Time I Die, and the guitarist mm. stepped out on the crowd, and that was the last thing I saw at Warped Tour, so it came full circle. Awesome. It was a real cool experience. You like Every Time I Die? They're oh, great. I love Every yeah. Time I Die. Yeah. Do they cover anything? <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. I feel they do. Have you heard of uh, Two Minutes to Midnight? Mm-mm. It's this uh, YouTube channel. They, they're really big on Instagram. They... During the pandemic, they've just been covering songs. They get like big bands oh, and okay. they make these like all star lineups. Mm-hmm. I think every time I die, I might have covered like a Caven song. Wow. Or I can't remember. It was like the, one Caven's of those type so of great. bands. Caven's great. But yeah, it's a uh, it's it's cool, man. I I love I just love being all his lyrics can be a tattoo. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's funny because he was an English teacher. You can right. tell. Mm-hmm. You oh, know he's well versed. Yeah, <laughs> those are my favorite types to see. I'm not huge on lyrics because I'm I'm pretty. If it's obviously mm-hmm. cool, I'm gonna mm-hmm. like it. But there's some lyrics I listen to and I have no idea what they're talking. Like at the, I love at the drive-in, but I don't know what half their songs are about unless I read about it. I are you an at the drive-in or a Mars Volta person? I feel like. Don't say it. I love at the drive-in, and that's, I, that's all you gotta say. <laughs> Mar- I, I okay appre- that and Sparta. See, like I, I like Sparta's first album, and I haven't really gotten into anything after that. Mm. But I think Jim Ward is super talented, and I can. I ap- love his voice. I, can, I love his voice. I can appreciate him, and I can appreciate Mars Volta, in the sense that I just I. I felt like I wasn't ready for it when I listened to I it. I tried so hard to like <laughs> Mars Volta. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I I tried. Some everybody swore up and down that they're the greatest thing since at the drive-in. And at the drive-in was man, there was a there was a moment of time where I thought those were like my Beatles. Oh yeah. At the time I was just like, yeah, this is it. This is it. This nothing's going to be better than that. Boom. But, you know, I was drinking a lot too. So. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's, it's, I like to think of at the driving as like, they're the tree and then they got carved up and Mars Volta is like the house that was made from that tree and <laughs> it still has the trees wood, but it's a totally different thing. Okay. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's unfair to Mars Volta because you're always going to compare the two in your head. You know, everybody does. But I, Sparta's first record is better than anything that Mars Volta ever put out. I, I'll say that. I'll probably get shit <laughs> That's 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 a hot take. There goes, yeah. yeah, there goes your viewers. <laughs> no, that that increases viewers. Actually, is like they're gonna call. And, they're gonna yeah, come on and so say, upset. "I'm sorry, guys." No, no, <laughs> this is why we have you on. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> um, so I I, I did want to talk a little bit about. Um, I, I was reading one of your an interview with you from I think it was the from the Blue Star uh, mm. Complex, and you were talking about how you started uh, as a photographer mm-hmm. with like in the '90s, mm-hmm. and that you would create flyers to to get into shows for free and um i I love that free beer too yeah yeah Yeah, you know i I think that 
that's why I started a band. Started a band in high school. We weren't great, but we got into shows for free. Oh yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> yeah. right? And playing, uh, opening up for a band that you like, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, those were the best times. You would totally suck because you. I mean, I would totally suck because you would just get <laughs> so trash. But it was just a party, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I I I've friended a lot of bands, local bands that would get me into, and but you know, we ended up being really good friends friends to this day. And uh, they would always used to like, yeah, beer tickets or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, usually back in that day, in that time where you brought in a camera, you know, and a band needed promotion, you know, they, yeah, of course they're going to let you in there. It, and I was benefiting from it. I, I don't think I ever made any money off of it. I mean, I, I, that's, that's, I never said I was a good business person. I still to this day, I'm not, I, I still will say on podcasts, I think you've heard it. Where if you're my friend, I'll help you out. And same thing with the photography. But still, it was just great to be in the show, be in the pit, in you know, with my camera. Yeah. It was dangerous. I mean, yeah. It was an expensive piece of equipment back in the 90s. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just I'm still proud of that. That's what started it off to get my creative side going. And I was always a, uh, of a fan of just the poster art. and Anything that publicity, getting people to the shows was so hogwild. Do you remember the table with all the flyers? Yeah, we, was, we we have a few flyers up there for the podcast. Oh man, I would every week just it was like comic book night. Oh so yeah, it just come and just I would leave with a bunch a stack of, I didn't go to every show, but those went up on my wall. It was just great, you know, and that really influenced me tremendously. Yeah, I I feel I think a lot of the reason why I like your art is because it reminds me of that. Oh, you could, cool. You could you could feel that it's it's everything that you do. It's it's more professional, obviously, and it's mm-hmm. it's definitely more uh, stylized, but it still has that edge and that vibe. It still has. Well, I don't know if you see it, but like it's. I was taught by my friend uh, Vito uh, from Die Boy uh, in the '90s, where we used to go to Kinkos and get like you know, just comic books that we liked and glue stick them, you oh, know, yeah. just and paste them and put them on a Xerox and everything. Like so, he taught me everything. I, I pretty much know about promoting a show. And, uh, yeah, it was just, that's that's what I kind of try to influence on the simpler art pieces that I do because that's pretty much what we were doing as far as, like, the, the layout. Um, and now he's a graphic designer, master of layout, too. I still suck at layout, but I can draw a piece of, of, of art. And, yeah, I try to have that heart from the flyer making. Like, all yeah, you need, the all, zines. All, all you need to do is just post the band's name on it and then it could be a flyer from yeah hogwild so <laughs> yeah no i think it's awesome man i i really I, i've always enjoyed your art awesome. and uh, thank you i think Appreciate it's just it. it's just so cool to because you get these it's it's not just about like it looking nice but the feelings that you get from it yeah and i i hope that comes across i mean i i i consider my stuff funny to me to me to me and if somebody laughs with me at my piece of art then i'm like yeah i did it but um i try not to like force anything i just want it to be genuine just like music just like everything else i mean i think it's if you're not feeling it don't draw it you know yeah uh but man the san antonio punk scene and all the music that i've listened to through those 90s and the hogwild era just all that you know just in that time you know, the DYI movement and everything like that just really still to this day influences me. 
And um, I've been doing more screen printing, and that was my dream back in the day, just to do screen printings. Because Coop flyers, all those. You remember the the artist Coop? He used to do the the devil illustrations with hot rod girls and okay, yeah, the Green Day posters. Yeah, and, uh, you'll see him. I mean, if if I showed it to him, you'd be like, I've seen that so many times. So that was a major influence. And I was like, how do they do it? So now I know how to do it. So I'm pretty grateful. I'm pretty proud of myself on that one. That is, but um, yeah, it's just. It's just, it came from that era. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just bringing it full circle with, you know, do, do you have any last things to say about the Ramones? About <laughs> They're <laughs> the greatest band ever. Led Zeppelin, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, man, that's too many hot takes. <laughs> um, I mean, the Ramones are just musically influenced, aesthetics, everything. You, you know, um, if you ever want to get into... S- Ramones, I would suggest their first record. Um, Rock and Roll High School is one of the greatest movies ever. <laughs> Hot take. Um, it's yeah. way better. I watched it for the first. I was telling you, I watched it for the first time last night. It's one of those movies I always thought I had seen because I know, mm-hmm. like between like I love the seventies or like these VH1 things talking about these seventies movies. I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen it. I'm like, no, I haven't. Like. I sat down and watched it. I'm like, oh, this is you aged. would know if you yeah, seen it. <laughs> it's aged way better than I expected it to. Like it's, there are things that are obviously a little problematic, but not as much as a lot of those movies from that era. The Ramones are not trained in, <laughs> in how to be an actor. But maybe I had low expectations for their acting, and that's what it was. <laughs> I'm sure they had fun. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, um, friends of ours. Uh, I forgot. I don't know if y'all were gonna mention this, but. Uh, Actually, I've been doing some artwork for people that are doing cover records. So Emily, uh, aka Agent M, Agent M, um, I did her her records out, and it's full of covers. It's really good. Do so you like it? Yeah. So I did the artwork on that one, and then my other friends, Faya, are having a cover record too coming. Oh, out cool! Pretty soon on Blackheart Records. So um, just watch out for that. I did the artwork on that on the covers too, so that's pretty cool. Awesome. Do you have anything else to plug where we can find you on Instagram? Uh, Instagram, TattooedBoy123. Um, Paper Trail, July 18th. Uh, I'll be selling with a 40 other artists there. It's going to be great. It's going to be at the Rockbox. Oh, cool. July 18th. When is this going to air? Um, this actually might air after. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, it, was, it was good to see everybody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll mention it on the on the, on the gram. <laughs> Go see the Descendants. Uh <laughs> It's good. It's just, um, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun.